So we have a very appropriate topic for today as we talk about Proverbs, we talk about wisdom. Today's message is on God's wisdom on parenting and discipline. And today in this, uh, we're going to start just looking at great proverb, Proverb 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from this. So we are called to do this, to train up our children uh, in the way that we, they should go, to point them into the right direction, to work in their lives, to, to nurture them, to care for them, uh, with the outcome of this, that when they grow up, they will continue to head in that direction. This is our goal. This is what we want them to do. This is from the book of Proverbs, and we do need to remind ourselves that the, what the Proverbs are, that they are uh, wisdom for living. They give us the, the probable outcomes and let us know what things will lead in all probability in the long run to good outcomes. But we also acknowledge that the Proverbs are not uh, the same as the, the promises in Scripture. These are not iron-clad promises. They are rules of thumb to teach us how to live skillfully and their accurate observations about how the world works and what usually leads to good results. So we need to be pouring into our kids. We need to be doing the hard and long work of training them up. And usually this will result in our kids living well and living for the Lord. But it's not an absolute guarantee of that. And so whether knowing that is, uh, is worrisome or a comfort to you, it reminds us that you can do everything that you can possibly do. And sometimes there are decisions that are made and things that are outside of our control. Uh, at the same time, it is worth doing this. We are called to do this. And how many times uh, it might be because of a severe lack in us doing this consistently uh, that doesn't set our kids up for the best life under, in God's eyes that they, that they could have. So we're going to talk about this in two parts. There's so many things uh, we could say, but I hope you're going to get your, your money's worth this morning. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the idea first of uh, discussion, and we're going to talk about also discipline as part of this. These two things, and I think they need to go together. So we could think of it as uh, discussion and, and discipline, or communication and correction. Uh, think of it as uh, rules and relationship. Or as it says in one, uh, one of the uh, Proverbs, rod and reproof. Or you could put it this way, speaking and spanking. These things going together with our kids. But first we're going to talk about uh, discussion. So wise parenting requires discussion. Let me read to you some Proverbs. One, last week we read the first seven verses in Proverbs. If we continue on with that, in chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, it says to us, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. So here the kids are called to, to listen, to pay attention to dad and to mom, doing this together. So this isn't just for dads. Dads are to take the lead, but moms and dads, we work together in this. And kids are called to hear. They're called to listen. In another place, Proverbs 4, 1 through 4, Hear, O sons. So here the the sons are being called to listen. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive 
that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. Now, we could look at many other places in Proverbs where it says this, and kids, notice this is being addressed to you to pay attention to dad, to pay attention to mom, to give them your ear, to hear them, and not just, uh, you know, tune them out. Uh, You know, be scanning for their words. Be listening to them. Take them into heart because the things that mom and dad have to teach you are for your good. They're going to teach you how life works. They're going to teach you wisdom. They're going to give you instructions. And foolish children don't listen to their parents. They just blow it off. They don't even hear them. They think it's of no value. But I want to talk about this to parents. And I want us to realize there's all these uh, different times in the book of Proverbs where kids are being implored to, to listen to their parents. And this has to mean, if this is the case, this implies that the parents are actually talking to their kids. It implies that they are actually uh, talking, that they're actually teaching, they're actually doing this work of communication with their kids. They can't, your kids can't be listening to you. Your kids can't be inclining their ear to you and gaining this wisdom if you're not having this discussion with them. So this is the importance of having this relationship, having discussion with them, having communication with them. I'm going to say a few things that I'm just going to draw from Proverbs kind of as a whole on this. Children need instruction in the context of a relationship. And that's part of the reason why God has given in his design dads and moms to kids, not just they have uh, some you know, instruction manual. I mean, we do have an instruction manual. We have the Word of God. But they also have mom and dad to, to teach them the Word of God and to teach them other truths about life and how to interpret life and things that, that make sense. And this happens the best in this context of a relationship. We're going to be talking about discipline in a little bit. Okay, we're going to be talking about even uh, for young kids, you know, spanking and the things that you need to do. And I'm going to show you many Proverbs that say this is biblical and that we need to do it. But we need to put these two things together, rules and relationship. It's been said that, and this is worth writing down, that rules minus relationship equals rebellion. And how often can that be the case? If you are, you're all about the rules and uh, what you need to do, but you don't have that relationship, that context of a relationship you know, with your kid, that is fertile ground to breed rebellion in their hearts. Now, the other way is true often, and we see this a lot in our world today, where it's all about relationship, and it's all about, I want to be your friend, I want to be your buddy, in a way that's not what God actually calls us to be. And there are no rules, and you end up with these Instead of rebellious kids, you end up with spoiled, rotten kids that are uh, just learning to be you know, indulged and made the uh, <clears throat> center of the world and spoiled, rotten. But we don't want to swing the other way, and it's so much about uh, the rules, but it's without the relationship. A healthy uh, environment for the kids will be one where there's a high expectation of, of rules and structure, but high support as well high relationship with the parents and being around, speaking to them, listening to them, where they know that mom and dad really care about them. 
that they give them time, that they're, they're with them. Rules minus relationship equal rebellion. But if you combine rules and relationship, that in God's plan leads to, to respect, to responsibility, to the kids um, growing to be who they need to be. We need to have conversations that help our children to understand truth. I think about this in the passages that we've uh, just read. It talks about wisdom. It talks about uh, you know, insight, uh, commands, teaching. Okay, so there is an authority structure here. It's not that the, the opinion of the child and the opinion of the parents are just equal. And it's all uh, democratic and we can all have our opinions. There is an authority structure here and mom and dad are to tell the kids how it is that hopefully we know more about life, that we're grounded in the Word of God and can uh, relay things from God's authority to them. So when we have these you know, discussions, this relationship, yeah, there's going to be all kinds of times where we talk about just you know, the random things in life and there's, there's fun and there's jokes, but there also needs to be a time where, where truth gets communicated. When there are rules, there are expectations, there's wisdom, there's guidance being communicated to our kids. And that may come in formal times. Maybe you have uh, set family devotions or you have things where you're working through Scripture and it may come uh, also oftentimes just in the daily conversations as, as things come up. But we need to make that uh, a part of this. The conversations need to have content as well. They need to contain truth. And also part of what we're doing is trying to help our kids learn from the experience of others. So help your kids to learn from the experience of others. That's so much of the, what the book of Proverbs you know, is about. And we could look at a lot of different places. I'm encouraging you to read through the entire book of Proverbs this summer, and I think you'll uh, see this over and over again, how often this is about, uh, well, most of the book of Proverbs, we said, is, is Solomon you know, writing to his son, uh, you know, teaching him, and how much is uh, learning from his experience and how much it also is learning from things that are just observed in the world. And we've said that uh, one of the important things to realize for wisdom is that you don't need to make all your own mistakes. That we learn from experience that is true, But in a previous message, we said it's not just experience, it's experience that is reflected upon, that you're thinking about, you're taking to heart. Otherwise, you know, some people have the same experiences over and over and they never learn from it. But one of the key things to remember is you don't need to learn just from your own experiences. Wisdom is learning from the experiences of other people as well. So you want to teach them things that have worked well for you, that you're glad for. You also can teach about, you know, mistakes. And this didn't work out well. And it doesn't even have to just be your own, just things that you've realized in the world as well too. Because hopefully if you're wise, then you've realized that you don't have to make all of your mistakes as well. That you've avoided pitfalls because you've seen, oh, that it works out terrible for so many people. I'm going to avoid that problem. This works out really well. I'm going to do this. And that's what the book of Proverbs helps us to do. God has the most experience of everyone, and we learn uh, from this so we don't have to learn by our own experiences. So we help our kids with this as well. Discussion that we have, 
We want to help our kids to learn to interpret life. I think that's a big deal, that it's not just about, you know, a, uh, a data dump, here's a bunch of facts, but it's how to use this information and how to interpret information. You know, there's, there can be facts, but it's how you interpret them, how you make sense of them in the light of other things that sometimes really matter. And so the world is going to be uh, trying to tell your children how to interpret things in one way. But you need to help them to interpret life, to interpret their, their feelings, their experiences, according to a, a biblical worldview. Recognizing the biblical worldview is one of, uh, we are created by a good God that made this world, that he designed this world very well, creation, but we live in a fallen world. This world is fallen because uh, mankind has chosen to rebel against God. And ever since Adam and Eve rebelled, we've been plunged into sin. There's all kinds of dysfunction in this world. And this means that that's why there are things that go wrong in this world. Uh, that things are not as they were originally when, when God created this world. It means that there's things that are wrong with us. It means that we have hearts that are, that are twisted, hearts that have, have sin in them. And that means you need to teach your children that they need, they need a Savior, that they're not going to be right with God just by, you know, being these naturally good and wonderful, you know, beings that they are, but that they are sinners, that they are fallen, and that they need Jesus Christ. Part of that is interpreting, helping them to interpret, you know, their feelings, that just because you feel something doesn't mean it's right, that uh, even though the world interprets and says, well, you feel this way, it must be okay, that a lot of times our feelings are bent out of shape. And our desires are bent out of shape. And there's a lot of desires that we have that are coming from a sinful place in our hearts. Uh, one of the discussions I would have with my kids, um, I think especially when they were young, uh, that was effective oftentimes, I would ask them, uh, let's say they were fighting with their brother or sister or making a decision, and I would say, is what you're doing now, is that coming from a good place in your heart or is that coming from a sinful place in your heart? And to try and get them to think about that. You know, if we're, even if you are a Christian and you are saved, you're still in the process of renovation. You have a new uh, part of you that, you know, God is working in. You're a new creation, but there's still that sinful place in our heart that God is, is working on. And so often we're responding out of this. We can think of all kinds of different ways. I, I think in our world today, this is so important. Um, this idea of helping kids to interpret life uh, with some of the big controversial things in the world today, uh, we think of issues of gender and sexuality. I mentioned just how the world today would say, if you have a desire, you must follow it. That's, uh, that's your true self. Whereas we would say, no, there are many desires that we have that are coming from a sinful place in your heart and need to be resisted, need to be repented of. Uh, that that's not the real you. Even though all your, everyone around you might say, no, this is the core of your identity. We say, no, that isn't. That's something that you know, God's going to help you with and you're going to be getting rid of that eventually if you're a Christian, whether in this life or the next. This isn't the real you. The real you is the new creation in Christ. You think of issues with gender, you know, today also, um, the world, you know, interpreting it for so many people that if, if you don't feel that you match 
what you think are the stereotypes for, for being a, a boy or being a girl, that these kids today are being told by so many voices, well, this means you're transgender, that you're a boy trapped in a girl's body or something like that. And how you can uh, help them to interpret this in a, in a more healthy way and say, no, it's, it's, you, your biology determines if you're a boy or a girl. And, you know, there's certain things that it's okay to be a girl and like some of these things. We used to call a girl like that a tomboy. It was no big deal. And it doesn't mean that uh, you have to reject the uh, biological sex and gender that God gave you. If he created you to be a girl, that's good. If he created you to be a boy, that's good. And you don't necessarily need to be like every other boy or girl that's, that's out there. Uh, but you can be that boy or, or girl um, in your way that God created you to be. I think sometimes watching, you know, TV can be a helpful way. You have to use that correctly. There's certainly plenty of shows um, I would never have my kids watch, or I would never watch, and you should never watch. And there's maybe some shows that it's okay to just kind of let them watch. But I found that there's kind of some middle ground shows, and it all depends on the age of your kids and different things, where I found it it's, can be helpful to, to watch them together and to be able to, you know, talk about these things and uh, talk about, you know, the decisions that different characters make and to evaluate it and what were the outcomes. So just helping them to interpret life is a big deal. But finally, tell us to be the example that your kids need. That it's not just a matter of this, of communicating things to them with our words, but we also need to communicate it to them with our lives. That our lives need to match what we say. Now we're sinners and we all fall short, so that means also letting them see how we, we examine our hearts, that we repent when we are not right, that we go to Christ uh, for forgiveness, and that we try to or do our best to, to change afterwards. But we need to be the example for them. I was looking at this, Proverbs 14.26. This was interesting. It says, In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence. Okay, we get that. You fear the Lord, you can have confidence. You can have confidence in Him. And then it says, And His children will have a refuge. So, having the fear of the Lord living in that, we've talked about this, this is the healthy fear of the Lord, where you respect, you honor, you, you cherish the Lord, uh, you obey him, you don't just blow him off, uh, you, you love the Lord, you, you recognize him as your, your good father, and you uh, want to, to please him, uh, and it results in good things for us, but also this is going to have a ram- these are going to have ramifications for our kids. It needs to start with us, and then be passed on to our kids. They need to see you respect the Lord. They need to see you actually care about uh, what the Lord thinks. And if you're more concerned with the fear of man, if you're more concerned with uh, the fear of approval from others, your kids are going to see that. And they're going to learn to fear people, to respect people, to care about their opinion more than the Lord. So it needs to start with you. And this is an example that can carry on to them. You know, before we move on, just talking about the issue of just relationships and how important this is. And in the book of Proverbs, we do see this both for mom and we see it for dad. Uh, I think 
it's especially we see it for dad, and I think there is a special role that it has with fathers uh, being that example, being that one to speak into the lives of their kids. Um, I believe that God points dad as the, the, the head of the house. I think he's wired the family that uh, dad has a special influence uh, that is not, um, not replicated, at least not easily. Uh, so it's a very important thing. You know, a few weeks ago, a lot of us, you know, mourned as we saw in the news and we saw the school shooting that happened in Texas. And of course, in the news, it talks about, you know, what are the causes for this and what can we do? And there's, there's different, you know, um, suggestions as far as uh, gun control measures and all these different things. And I'm not going to talk about that. There might be, you know, a variety of different opinions and um, but the point I want to make on this, and you might say, well, what's actually going to help and what wouldn't help anyways? But if you really wanted to think about what would actually help these things, they're things that no one wants to talk about. If you look at the profiles for these people that are shooters over and over again, we recognize a few things. They're usually always guys. They're males. They're young guys usually too. You know, in their late teens, early 20s, give or take. But one of the things that almost across the board is true is dad is not present in their lives. There might be some exceptions, and I know there's, you know, the fact checker websites that say, well, we don't know about this one or this one. But when you look at it closely, uh, it is very apparent that hardly ever is there a dad at home at all much less to know that there's a dad that's actually involved in our lives. If we really cared about these things, and there might be other things to look at too, but look at the core issues of having dads that are with their kids, that are uh, hopefully mom and dad raising their kids together in these intact families. And instead of society, that's not a convenient thing. We don't want to think about that. So we, let's just ignore that. Let's pretend dads don't matter. Let's pretend we can't even figure out what a, what a dad is and what a mom is, and we, we just don't even know that they're interchangeable or indis- that they're, they can be dispensed with, and it doesn't really matter. And instead of society, we keep doing things to just uh, you know, break apart the families and devalue parenting and devalue fatherhood. If we cared about these issues, we would change that. You know what you never see? You never see somebody that was a, a school shooter that has dad at home and is deeply involved in their life. You never see somebody, think about it this way, because you could have a dad at home, but they're checked out or they're a bad example. You ever see a situation where it's a dad that is involved and brings his son to church every week that is not a family that's producing school shooters? Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from that. So our relationships that we have with our kids are a huge deal. It requires discussion, dialogue. It also requires discipline. And so I want to talk about that. There's so much in the book of Proverbs that is on this idea of, of discipline with our kids. And so we're going to go through this and we're going to look at um, each of the Proverbs that talk about discipline and things that they have to say. I'm going to give you some practical pointers for this as well. But what we are going to see is that the book of Proverbs stresses 
that the discipline of children is indispensable. This is not an optional thing. This is not something that, well, it's probably a good idea, but you could live without it. You don't really need it. No, this is really, really important. This is something that you cannot dispense with. So I'm going to give you just a a statement, and I'm going to give you uh, one of the Proverbs that uh, where I draw this from. So first point, next point I want to make is that the Father, and here I mean God the Father, the Lord, disciplines out of love, and human parents ought to do the same. Proverbs 3, 11 through 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. So he's saying, hey, don't, uh, when the Lord disciplines you, uh, don't despise that, don't hate that, okay? He's treating you as a father. And it says, verse 12, For the Lord reproves him whom he loves, as a father the son in whom he delights. So it's doing this comparison, and we won't look at it, but in Hebrews 12, 5 through 11, it makes the same uh, claim in the New Testament that uh, good fathers, fathers that love their kids will discipline their kids because this is what God the Father does for us. And we should not despise his discipline when we are getting off the track and the Lord does something to get us back on the right track. This is a good thing. This is out of love for us. When he is in advance preparing us to be the the men and women he calls us to be, when he is refining us to make our character more like the image of Christ, even if it's painful, this is a good thing. And we should not despise this. This is a loving God being the the true father, not him acting like a father because he is the true and the ultimate one. But instead, for us as human fathers, we need to act like him. And we need to discipline out of love. So kids, we need to realize that mom and dad, they're going to try their best to discipline you. They're doing it out of love because they care for you. And this means, parents, that we need to do this. It is a loving and a good thing to be doing for our kids. To put it another way, to neglect discipline is to hate your child. To hate your child. And I say this, that's strong language. And this is from the Bible, Proverbs 13.24. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. So you have a contrast that if you uh, spare them, if you don't, use the rod if you don't punish correctly. This is not that, oh, you love them so much you could never cause them discomfort. You could never cause them pain. No, you are, you are, you are hating them. You are actively not loving your child. And the Bible uses the word, describes this as hate. But instead, if you love them, you're going to be diligent to discipline your kids. You're going to do it when it needs to. You're going to do it consistently. You're going to do it, uh, seek to do it well. I want to point out here as well, this uses the phrase, the rod. So yes, this is talking about, well, spanking. Or this time using a rod. Don't think of it as some big giant, you know, we're not, uh, you know, Donatello's staff here beating our kids. You know, but maybe in your family, you got the wooden spoon 
or something like that. But this is talking about some kind of physical punishment that causes uh, some degree of pain that is being utilized for discipline. And according to the Bible, spanking is appropriate discipline for young kids. As we go through the different Proverbs here, I want you to realize that. I want you to realize how many times it says this, because I know we live in a society where a lot of people have different opinions, but I, I would like your opinion to match the opinion of Scripture that this is appropriate, that it is good. And I know some say, well, that it, this will lead to violence. No, it's not going to lead to violence. It doesn't need to. Okay, that, no, this is abuse. No, it's, it's not abuse. It can be abuse, okay, but we're not talking about that. We need to do it in the right way, in a right way that is, that is not abuse at all. And maybe you have experience in your past where it, it hasn't been good, okay? And that's not what we're talking about. And if that's the case, I, I, I'm sorry for you, and I pray that God will give you comfort and help and to do something different. But I think part of the problem with so many kids today is, honestly, they haven't received the spankings that they needed when they were kids, and so you have kids being raised, kids going to school, kids growing up to be uh, young adults that uh, were not loved enough by being disciplined in the right way when they're kids. And so they're growing up in a way that they're rebelling against authority, uh, that they're, they're spoiled, they're entitled, all these different things. It doesn't have to be a literal rod, okay? Um, when I was a child, uh, <clears throat> my... Um, Dad applied the hand of discipline to my seat of learning. Uh, <clears throat> I'll say more than once. Actually, I remember quite often. It was not a pleasant thing, but I did not grow up to hate my dad. Okay? I did not despise my dad for it, and I recognized that this was my parents' role, and this is especially my, my dad's role that he needed to do this. He needed to teach me the way I needed to go. And I am looking back, I recognize that this was the way that needed to be done to get my attention. That other things would not have worked. It would not have broken through to my rebellious heart. And so spanking is uh, not abusive. I didn't hate my dad for it. Again, yes, there is abuse, and we need to absolutely reject abuse, and we need to guard against it. But I will tell you, I firmly believe that more parents today are abusing their kids by not disciplining them than abusing them by disciplining them. And that's what this passage in the, the Psalms is saying, that it's, it's hatred, it's abuse of your kids to not discipline them or to discipline them effectively. So many families where the child is in charge the parents on paper, maybe they think they're in charge, but the kids run the show, the kids run the home, and they know that how they can control mom and dad, that they can act up, they can uh, throw their tantrum, they can do their thing, and mom and dad will bend to the will of that child instead of the child learning to adapt to the authority that the child is under. There are parents that need their kids' approval that instead of you know, finding their identity approval in God, they're, they're so afraid that they will lose their kids' approval that they're not willing to discipline and to do what they need to do. Parents that won't stand up to their kids, indulgent parents. Again, it's important to have a relationship. It's absolutely important that your child knows that you love them. Okay? 
but don't let your kids think that they are the actual center of the universe. If your kid's growing up thinking they're the actual center of the universe, you're raising entitled, indulged kids that are going to grow up thinking they're the center of the universe because they've been taught that way by mom and dad, that everything revolves around them. That's not a loving thing to do. Let me give you something else that's a benefit of discipline, okay? So many times, there's some people that they can't stand their kids. They can't, get, they can't wait to send their kids away to different things. I understand there's times where the house is crazy and we get that, but there's sometimes where it's, it, it, it's so bad at times. Um, and part of that is because of discipline. So this is a benefit to you as well, is that if you discipline your kids, you won't want to kill them instead. And I get that from this psalm, uh, excuse me, Proverb, Proverb 19, 18. Discipline your son, for there is hope. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. Now, there's different interpretations and there's different translations, so it might mean something slightly different. But the way I'm interpreting this is saying, okay, there's, there's hope for your kid. Maybe they're annoying you now. Maybe this is, is crazy. But if you do the hard work of discipline, you work with them, they're not going to be this terror that they would be otherwise. Where all you want to do is just, I, 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 gotta, I want to do something bad to my child. Okay? It will raise them to be people that, that you can get along with. It's going to be a process. It's going to be hard. This isn't an instant thing. It doesn't happen overnight. But there is hope. Okay? So no matter how defiant your kid is, no matter how strong-willed they are, God is going to work through, wants to work through you, through your words, through the word of God, through grace, all this together to help your children change, to help your children understand authority. And as they understand authority, they'll recognize God's authority. And as they recognize that, they'll realize they've gone against God's authority. And we want them to uh, realize that so they can acknowledge themselves as sinners, that they can trust Jesus Christ as their Savior, and then it begins that process of them uh, being born again, having a new heart, uh, having the Holy Spirit indwell them, all these things. So don't give up hope. Keep being at work in the lives of, of your kids. Uh, but instead, if you just indulge, if you uh, don't do these things, if you're not willing to do the work of discipline, yeah, you're going to, you're going to end up resenting your kids. And there's, there's hope. Discipline them instead. And I'll say this too. If you do the work of especially consistently disciplining them when they're young, there'll be less work for you to do later on. Okay? If you, if you spank your kids when you're young, you won't have to spank them, at least not as much when they're older, or other forms of discipline that are more appropriate later on. If you do this when they're young and they learn these basic things, uh, they will be um, more compliant. They'll have learned these lessons. You don't want to wait until they're old. Too much gets baked in at that point. Start when they're young. <clears throat> kids need discipline because they are born foolish. So kids are born, they're born stupid. They don't know. They're ignorant you know, they're going to do all these destructive things. They don't know all the stuff that is going to go bad. Um, remember one of my kids, you know, pulling the, uh, you know, as, as a child, the coffee pot off the, uh, the, the counter and 
thankfully the child wasn't hurt, and that wasn't necessarily a sinful thing. The child was very young. They're just not aware of life to know the, the consequences of different things. So there's that, just the natural ignorance that comes. Uh, but there's also foolishness, too, that they don't understand uh, the, the outcomes that would happen. They haven't learned you know, wisdom from these things. And we know now, too, with brain research, that actually the part of your brain, I believe it's the frontal cortex, that uh, helps in decision-making isn't even fully developed in people until they're in their early 20s, maybe like 24, 26. They're still in process for, for decision-making and for, for growing in wisdom. Not like on one birthday in your 20s, all of a sudden you become wise. Uh, hopefully you're helping them in that direction and helping them to develop. But they, they need that from their parents because they're not born naturally in that state. Proverbs 22.15 says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. So it helps and it teaches us. And along with all of that, because there's a natural ignorance, there's a natural foolishness, but also they are born as sinners. And so they're born with a part of their heart that is the core of their heart that's wanting to do evil, wanting to do these things. And so... um, discipline is going to be part of what is going to teach them. Now, some may say, well, I can't discipline my kid. My, my child will hate me. I might hurt my child. I might destroy them. All these bad things. Discipline will not destroy your child. And spanking is not abuse. Proverbs twenty-three, thirteen. Listen to this. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. Your child is not so fragile that your child will be destroyed from discipline. Again, yes, there is abuse. We want to avoid anything that would be abuse. We want to do this in the right way. But don't think, if I do this, my child's going to hate me. My child is going to be destroyed. This... Uh, It's going to have all these negative things. No, God is telling you to do this. It will have good outcome, and your child is not going to die from this. Your child is going to be okay. Again, spanking, I believe, is biblical discipline for young children. I want to talk just for a moment about um, appropriate spanking and just some tips on on how to do this, okay? And um, just kind of an overview here. So with experience with this, um, appropriate spanking. Joel, could you come up here so I could just be... I'm just kidding. (laughs) He looks horrified. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I will say there's a few of my kids that have been on the uh, receiving end of uh, more than one spanking. Um, But here's a, a few things that I think are helpful tips. And these aren't in your notes. This might be a lot to write down. Maybe you wait until the end and you take out your phone and take a picture of the screen or something like that. Or I'll try to put this online too. One, you want to go somewhere private. You don't want to shame your child. So you want to, when it's time where the spanking needs to take place, uh, it needs to be between you and the child and the Lord. Okay? So you avoid shame. You avoid embarrassment. You know, if you're out in public, oftentimes, yeah, that's a situation where you're going to have to say, you're going to get a spanking. And when you say that, you've got to follow through on that. If you don't follow through, you've just you've made a joke of it. Um, 
but uh, if you're at home, you know, you take them to the room, you take them to somewhere like that, that's the best way to do this. You want to make sure that you are not spanking out of anger. And this is a big deal. You need to make sure that you have yourself under control. And this will be the difference, uh, a, a huge difference between it being abuse and being um, biblically appropriate. So you want to make sure that you are not just spanking because you are frustrated and you're going to vent on your child. Okay, that is wrong. You don't do it that way. So this means with God's help, you're checking yourself. If you need to take a little bit of time before this actually occurs, you let that happen. You know, maybe it's you go to your room and I'll be with you in a little bit. So you can pray. You can make sure that your heart is in the right place for this. And then you know, what I would do um, is I would, often, I would you know, get down you know, with my child. Okay, so you're on your level. You're, you're connected with them. And whether it's getting them like this or you're having them on the, the bed with you, uh, you're, getting, uh, you're connecting with them and you're explaining to them what happened. You know, I need to spank you because you did this. You know, I to- we, mom and dad clearly told you to do this. You defied us. You said no. And because of this defiance, we need to spank you. You know, this is, you know, th- what the responsibility that God has, has given us. We need to do this for your good, to help you to become uh, not a spoiled brat, but someone that recognizes, you know, authority. And this conversation is going to be different depending on the age of the child. You know, it might be very simple when they're very young. And so you, you explain it to them, both what they did and also why you need to do this as a parent. That's an important part of it. If you can, and this might depend on age too, have the child acknowledge why he is being disciplined. You know, do you understand this? And there might be times where there's a meltdown and this isn't really going to work. Um, but the ideal situation is they acknowledge this. Maybe at this point they even repent. Now, there might be a lot of, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, because they don't want the spanking. And you'll have to try and read their heart. Is this real repentance? Or this, are these a bunch of I'm sorry's or crocodile tears to get out of the spanking? I think usually what is best is either way, even if they are repentant, you need to teach them that there are still consequences. There will be forgiveness, but you are still going to receive this spanking because there's consequences because you were, you were defiant, you were rebellious, disobedient, whatever it is. <clears throat> Tell him how many swats he will receive, okay? I think this is really good advice and really helpful because when you do this, as part of the process, it communicates to the child that you are under control. You are not just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to whack you until, you know, I get this out of my system. You know, they understand that you are in control. You are trying to make the punishment proportional to, to what they did and just the right amount and hopefully not more or less. So I think this is uh, some very good advice to tell them in advance. And also with this too, I mean, there's the actual spanking itself, but some of it is the anticipation as well. You know, that is part of the process. Uh, so there's ways you can do this where it doesn't have to be as much of the physical, but, um, you know, they're, they're anticipating this. You need to make it sting, but not worse than that. You don't want to actually cause any damage, but it does need to sting. That's the whole point of this, okay? So I think that does mean, you know, for little kids, it's, you know, you pull the pants down and you make it sting. Um, my dad was very good at that. 
Uh, and I remember that, you know, very well. Um, again, I was not damaged. I was not abused. I uh, turned out well, and I think I turned out better because of it. Um, if you are spanking in a way that it just becomes a joke to the child where it doesn't really cause uh, any type of, you know, stinging, it's, it's not worth doing it. You know, if it's, you know, they're just basically, you know, you're hitting them on the diaper or something like that, and there's so much padding, there's no point to that. So, unfortunately, it has to sting. That, that is a part of how this works. Um, you know, sometimes you can get good at just a little, you know, kind of flick of the wrist and make it sting. Some people, you know, might want to use a little wooden spoon or something. Again, you don't want to overdo it. You don't want to cause actual harm, but it's supposed to, but it's supposed to be very controlled as well. So, you make it sting, uh, but not worse. And afterwards, I think this is so crucial, is that you reaffirm your love for the child. So you've, at the front end, you're explaining to them why you need to do this, and it's out of love, and it's because you're helping them to become the person that they need to be and all of this. You're doing it in a controlled way, and then afterwards, uh, you have that time where you, you reaffirm them as well. And so you let them again know, you know, I love you, you know, I, I you know, forgive you, I'm here for you, and I remember actually having some pretty sweet times with my kids kind of afterwards when the Lord had spoken to them through this process and reaffirming the love for them. And if you do this, it will help keep that relationship healthy, you know, and well. It will help them. It reflects God to us, to them. I mean, think of God disciplines us, and he also in the process affirms that he continues to love you, that the discipline that he has for us isn't that he's rejected you and he's done with you, but it's because he loves you and he's, he's constant in that. So that way your child picks up, this is not because my parents hate me, this is my parents are loving me to do this and they still have that good relationship together. And I think also you want to tell your child that he's forgiven when there is repentance. And ideally, the child has repented and you can tell him, I forgive you. Again, I think usually it's best to still follow through on the consequences, at least to some degree, uh, so that they don't just learn to manipulate you by pretending to be repentant uh, when they're really not. Now, you may moderate how many times you do the spankings and different things. They don't need to know your formula and how it's going to work. But also, it tells them as well, the same way it is for us in life and with the Lord as well, that God will forgive us that doesn't mean that all the consequences always just disappear. There's a lot of things in life that we can do that God forgives us for, but there's still consequences we live with. And so even when you follow through, um, that's a good thing. But when they are repentant, to let them know they're forgiven and this is done, we want to learn and move forward from this. I think another helpful tip, we think of when to spank. What do I do this for? Every time my child does, you know, screws up at all, spank for rebellion, not for mistakes. Okay, kids make mistakes. Okay, kids are not perfect. Kids are in process. You don't want to spank for that, but what you want to spank for is when the rebellion is peering out of the sinful heart, when there's defiance, when there is uh, just that resistance to your authority, and you know what it looks like. You know, that is what um, when you need to do this because what you're teaching your kid is not just, oh, don't make mistakes. What you're teaching them is that there is an authority structure that God has put in place, that has put in place, and it is a bad thing to 
buck against this authority structure. So that's when uh, you, would, you would do that. So <clears throat> another question is how old enough is someone, how old is old enough to start spanking? Like you have a, a newborn child and they're you know, crying. When do you start spanking? And I think this is uh, good advice. When your child is old enough to defy you, your child is old enough to be spanked. And this will happen even before your child can speak. Okay? When your child is still young, there's going to be times where you're going to be able to tell that you've told your child no or you need to do something, and they can't speak, but, but they get it. And they're defying you. They know what they should be doing, and they're being in defiance. They're old enough to start this and do it in the right way, do it in the appropriate way. So it's probably earlier than you probably would have thought. Um, a lot of times people think, no, we have to, they have to be old enough where we can have this dialogue and talk things through. No, they under, if they understand enough where they're defying you, then you do this to help them start to understand authority. Um, Ted Tripp, in his excellent book, uh, Shepherding a Child's Heart, says, when your child is old enough to resist your directives, he is old enough to be disciplined. And let me just kind of commend the book as well. Um, I know some of you have it, and we gave it out for uh, those doing baby dedications this year. Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted Tripp. Excellent book on parenting, really getting to the heart of parenting, redemptive Christian parenting. Great chapters both on communication as well as discipline and some of these practical ways to do it. So I I recommend that book to you. We have a few out at the Welcome Center. Um, So if your child defies you, if it blows you off with, you know, you say no to something and the child does it anyways, you can tell when your child is being defiant. And that's when it's time to to spank. Now, is it, okay, your child... um, you tell them to do something and they don't do it instantly, what do, what do you do there? Give your child time to respond, but not time to disobey. Here's what I mean by this, that there may be an instruction that you give to your child, and it may take a little bit for your child to, to process this, to have a chance to uh, obey you, okay? So um, sometimes you need to give a little time for that to happen or for them to absorb this. On the flip side, you're not giving them time to disobey. And that's where I think a lot of times when people do the, I'm going to count to 10 and you better do what I need to do. uh, Sometimes the way that works out is the child realizes, I got nine seconds of disobedience here. (laughs) And that's not what you want to be communicating to them. Again, you give a chance to uh, obey, but not opportunity to disobey. Uh, One thing I have used with my kids um, that oftentimes is, I found to be very effective. And I think this works well if you've established authority. They understand that mom and dad are, are the authority under God in their lives. Uh, but there's times, you know, sometimes kids are being, they're being silly or they're resisting going to bed or something like that. And you need to say the, you know, I mean it now. I've said it this way. I've said, hey, this is your chance right now to either obey or disobey. And then they realize, okay, I'm making a decision one way or another. And so if they're choosing to disobey, they recognize, ooh, that's wrong, and also I'm going to be in trouble. I need to obey at this point. Just so they realize this is your opportunity now. 
So you said a lot of people think, you know, discipline, spanking, this will, my, my child will die. The proverb said, you know, if strike him with a rod, he will not die. But instead, what it tells us in Scripture is instead, discipline can save them from death or worse. That proverb in chapter 13 goes on. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. Sheol was an Old Testament word either for the grave or for hell. And our discipline, the opposite of causing them to die, can save them from even worse fates. It might, through discipline, teach them to learn wisdom that might save them from physical death. And it also, through this, might save them from spiritual death because you're helping them to understand uh, the authority structures in this world and that the ultimate authority structure is that they are under God's authority and to buck against that is a terrible thing and they need salvation from that. In Ted Tripp's book, has this quote, the gospel seems irrelevant to the smug child who isn't required to do anything he does not want to do. It seems irrelevant to the arrogant child who's been told all his life how wonderful he is. But the gospel has great relevance for the child who is persuaded that God calls him to do something that is not native to his sinful heart, to joyfully and willingly submit to the authority of someone else. Only the power of the gospel can give a willing heart and the strength to obey. Two more Proverbs to work through really quick. Spanking and speaking should be used together. Proverbs 29, 15, the rod and reproof give wisdom. So you got the rod, you got spanking and reproof, you got speaking. They give wisdom, but the child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Proverbs 29, 15. As we said, as kids get older, other forms of discipline will be more appropriate. You know, there comes a point where you're not going to be pulling down their pants and, and spanking them. You're going to have to find other things. Hopefully, if you've done it well when they're young, there's less you have to do later on because they've learned these authority structures. But there will still be discipline that's required. Uh, you have to figure out things that are going to work. In today's day and age, um, withholding electronics uh, can be a very uh, effective tool to use. Uh, don't let the kids think that their electronics are just theirs uh, whenever they want. Um, but that can be a very effective thing. Um, and let me just say this real quickly. For discipline to be effective, it must be, this for older kids too, these four things, controlled, consistent, proportional, and carried through. And so if you're thinking, with the discipline I'm, not, I'm doing with my kids, it's not working well, it could be because of one of these different things. Okay, if it's not controlled, if you're just doing it out of, out of anger and, and just bursts of this, uh, that's not good. It also needs to be consistent. It really messes with the kid when they can do the same thing one day and it's fine and mom and dad don't care because they're busy or whatever. And a different time, they just get the, the book thrown at them, you know, because dad's in a bad mood. We need to be consistent with our discipline. And then they're going to learn that I do this, it's going to result in these things. But too many parents are all over the map, they're inconsistent, and that's a big reason why uh, the discipline isn't working. So you need to be firm, consistent, you need to be proportional. Okay, that means the punishment should fit the crime. If you are uh, just giving just huge punishments, okay, oh, you, you did this, you're grounded for a month. 
Um, maybe that is something that deserved a month's punishment, but maybe it's way out of control. And what happens if you're not proportional, then sometimes too, if you don't think it through ahead of time, then you back off and you realize, ooh, I grounded him from electronics for a month during the summer. You know, and then you end up backing off of it, and then it makes it into a joke. It's much better to have a smaller, precise punishment that you carry through and that you stick to it uh, to teach the lesson. So don't go overboard. Don't uh, have it too much. Make it proportional. Think about it a bit ahead of time. But then you need to carry through on it. Otherwise, your kids are going to end up realizing, mom and dad don't really mean that. These are just empty threats, or they're going to back off, or after you know, the first few hours, they're going to relent on this. And we want to have grace for our children. We get that. But also, but if um, you're not carrying through, this isn't a loving and helpful thing. And then the last proverb talking about this. As we finish up Proverbs 29:17, I think gives us this point. That the hard work of d- discipline will give delight to your heart. It will lead to delight. Look what it says. Discipline your son and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. The goal is not mere obedience. The goal is not merely a tranquil home. The goal is to help your kids understand authority so they can understand and find grace in Christ. You know, God disciplines his children to make us more into the men and women that he calls us to be. Discipline is not mere punishment. As Christians, the punishment for us has already been taken by Christ on the cross. There's no, no punishment in that sense. But God the Father works in our lives to transform us into the image of Christ And he finds delight in us as well as we find delight in him. Let's close. Lord God, thank you for these truths. Help us to live these out with our kids in a way that is consistent. Help us to uh, live by your wisdom, Lord God, to do what may be the very hard things and to do them consistently to help our kids to understand authority and to understand your love, Lord God. Lord, we thank you for the gifts that our kids are. And we ask that you just help us to be the parents that you call us to be. Thank you that you are a father that loves us enough to discipline us, Lord God, and to point us in the right direction. And we also thank you and praise you even more that Jesus Christ took the punishment for our sins on the cross and gives us his grace. We praise you and we thank you. And we ask that you would help our hearts to delight in you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.